0: Hello and welcome friends to Journey to Grateful, a podcast designed to explore the many obstacles of living life after loss. I've created this show to help guide anyone who is newly experiencing loss, educate those who are unsure how to help someone who has, and I truly hope our stories embrace everyone who is currently living a life through the loss of someone special. I'm your host Tim Begonia, a father and a widower. Now saying that title, that truth, out loud often surprises me, even today. There are many who feel the same way, and are willing to share their own stories in hopes of lending a helping hand. I'd like to begin by thanking my many contributors, who you will come to know truly make this show possible. Sharing our experiences honestly will help to create a better understanding of the many aspects of loss. I hope these stories will become the foundation of your own Journey to Grateful. Welcome to our community. I am so very thankful that you've decided to join us. Let's begin our journey together. Welcome once again, my friends, to Journey to Grateful. This is Episode 9. I'm Tim Begonia, your host, and we are going to be discussing a healthy path of grief. Today, I have a special guest, her name is Mary Ellen, and as you may recall from uh, episode 7, Mary Ellen's journey started a little bit more than two years ago, and mine is just about to complete its first year. We will take the time to discuss where we are on our current path of grief and our experiences throughout the last several months, and we will have different perspectives on the different ways to grow through our grief. So thank you very much for stopping by. We appreciate it. And here's the upside.
1: I was thinking, I don't know if you, um, I don't know how much you have talked about this with others or been aware of it yourself. But um, one thing that made a huge impact on me was when I, I'll say discovered, because that's kind of what it felt like, discovered post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic decline, Mm -hmm. and um, so I don't know if that's something you want to dive into today, or you just want to. Okay,
0: I I I have no reason not to.
1: Okay, and and it's it's interesting to me when you ask me where I am today about grief. My first reaction was, "Wow, you know, if you would have asked me, you know, six months after his death." that would have been the first thing on my mind. Like, like instantly I'm in it. I am, Mm -hmm. that is my world. I'm engulfed in it. Mm -hmm. And when you just asked me that now, I, my mind just went, wow. Like it's not on my mind all the time. Like it's, I'm, I'm, I'm doing other things. I'm not, I'm probably still actively grieving. I don't think that's ever going to go away, but it wasn't, the first thought I had, which I don't know that that to me says volumes. It's like, wow, I, I had to think, wow, where am I in my grief? I had to just take a second to, to think about your question. So, so
0: how does that, how does that make you, (laughs) how how does that make you feel um, getting to that point? You know, the, the grief obviously is never going to go away. But it's the amount and the intensity and the, the the constant top of mind versus where it starts sitting below normal everyday life. How does that make you feel that all of a sudden you have to go, oh, interesting question.
1: I, I think of it in a lot of different ways. Um, To me, what my current, like my, my definition of grief has changed over time. Mm -hmm. And my current definition is grief is an invitation to know yourself. Uh So it, it, it initially was grief is he's gone. Our life has changed. I'm lost. uh, My identity is like blown out of the water. You know, there were so many changes that, um, grief was very upfront and center about our relationship, him, the world. And it was very little about me. And then I think as as it's progressed, it's more and more about me rediscovering myself and rediscovering what the grief is meant to do through me and not necessarily sit in me. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's all of these Changes that have happened, but I have actively—I'd um, say I have very, very, very actively jumped into just discovering what I'm supposed to do with the grief, and not just let it live in me. So I'm not so sure that my journey is similar to anybody else's, and I don't think anybody—and I don't think anybody's journey is the same I, as anybody's.
0: That is fair to say.
1: But if I could just, um, you know. I guess maybe my hope is that talking about my journey and sharing it is helpful to others.
0: Yeah. I find that um, no matter where I am and no matter what experiences that I've had, when I talk with somebody else, there's always bits and pieces. It's never the same for everybody straight across the board. There are bits and pieces There are similarities and there are, um, you know, especially when discussing this with you, Uh, over our past talks, it's nice to see the potential place at where I will be. Mm -hmm. And it's always potential because, again, I'm always very conscious of the fact that it's not going to be the same and everybody's journey is completely different. However, through our discussions, something will pop up and I'll go, oh, okay, never thought about that, but... Apparently, I should be prepared for that. So, okay. I think where, that's
1: where you where are you in your in your grief? I'll I'll turn the question back to you.
0: That's a good question. Um, I do find that I am not wallowing as much as I did months ago, and that, that I would suggest is a healthy thing. I find that I've been kind of uh, shifting. To the point where I'm not allowing the grief to define myself and I'm taking the time to decide what this experience has made in me and how it has re- redefined myself and then giving my, myself permission to uh, define myself, define this I'm going to say the words, and I'm going to put it in big air quotes, this new normal. And before it seemed to be that the grief and the loss and, you know, the life before the passing and the life after passing, that was the two delineations of what my life is. And now I think that it's time, and certainly that's always going to be there, but it's time for me to uh, more consciously define what life now for me, for us as a family, uh, how that's going to be defined.
1: Right. Right. That's, that's, that brings, I'm a visual person. So that brings to mind a tree growing. Like it's like when the tree is growing, you have the trunk and that mm-hmm. could be, you know, you could define it as that was your family together. And then at mm-hmm. some point, there's a branch that goes off one way and a branch that goes off another, and it's that's your defining point of before and after the death. Well
2: definitely at a certain I like point that. the
1: tree keeps growing, yes. you get more branches, more twigs, more than the leaves come in, and it's
2: yeah.
1: all of a sudden it's just this blossoming of life that just projects and projects and projects. And sure. that I, I think that um, for me that's I'm not the young sapling now. I feel like I'm, (laughs) I'm further along in that tree growth where I'm like, I'm seeing more branches come in. I'm seeing where the tree is, you know, sustainable and it's going to go on and live. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just a really good feeling to, I guess not think of the death so much anymore, but think of life.
0: Yeah. Because I really like your, um, your visualization, not only for what it did with the two the, the branches um, uh, splitting off and the uh, the before the after and all of that, but because your visualization is a tree that is alive, mm-hmm. and our life has not stopped because of the death of our person. But it just needs to find a slightly different path and grow different branches and have different blooms. and The life is still there. And oftentimes I, I, I reflect that our tree wouldn't be as full without the experience of my wife, And that is a wonderful thing. That's a thing to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So I love this, this tree analogy. I think it works very well.
1: And I, I would even argue if somebody said, well, does that branch die? Well, no, the branch doesn't die where they were. Nope. It actually it actually informs the entire tree. It balances it out. Yes,
2: you know, yes.
1: That branch is still very much alive, whether it's spiritually, whether it's through memories, whether it's through um, people that you re-meet that maybe knew her. Like that branch is still very much alive, and it, and it informs the shape of the whole tree. But there's other branches that continue to grow. So it's, um, I don't know, that, that to me has always been really life affirming, because some people say, well, I've got to like, put them behind me. Well, no, you don't.
0: You, no, you bring no. Them along. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> like that.
1: And, and they are a part of you. They'll never not be a part of you.
0: Yeah, take a look at any tree. There are shorter branches and there are longer branches. Right. And right. hers was shortened. But right. it still blooms. It's still right. there to right. to show what how, what has been accomplished. Right. I mean, right. the more that we talk about this, the more that I love this this tree analogy. This is this is quite wonderful. And because of all the memories, it gets to bloom right along with the rest of the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. That's good. I have. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Very you're good. Welcome. It's always it's always good to have a discussion with you. You you always bring around something that uh, that allows me to think slightly differently. Because uh, again, to the question of you know how am I with my grief? We are currently in the middle of smack dab in the middle of June 2021, and she passed July 3rd of 2020. So milestones have been on my mind. And in fact, I just, uh, just returned from a trip, uh, a class trip with my, uh, my son, as you know. And during that trip, I had reflected and, and written some thoughts about milestones and trying to reconcile how important they are. And they're constantly there. There are some that are larger than others. Her birthday, the kids' birthdays, uh, anniversary, et cetera, et cetera. Fill in the blank. You have many milestones, and that first year is going to be filled with them, and they are going to have a spotlight on each and every one because it's the first, the first without that person. But they are just as important because they are so top of mind. There is that spotlight. It allows you to to bring forth some memories uh, of that person and the years gone by for that particular milestone. And I think that trying to think of it as, yeah, I I, I really, I get it. I'm gonna be sad on some of those milestone days, but I also need to find a way for myself to celebrate when we had those milestones with my wife, because that, Back to your tree analogy, that is part of what blooms on that tree, every single one of those memories. And I often talk about uh, when we are out on a trip, such as I mentioned, or we're, I don't care if we're just down the road having uh, uh, ice cream or whatever, we do something silly, and I just look at the kids and they say, Well, we're making memories. Don't worry. Oh, you're so weird. Nope. We're making memories, (laughs) you know, and honestly, that is true. I mean, these little, now, now the trip that I just got done, there were some interesting memories getting to and coming back home with the flights, et cetera, et cetera. It really sucked but we'll never forget it. We will never forget that particular trip because of those issues. So sometimes when you think back about a trip five, 10 years ago with family or friends, you're going to think of good things, odd things, you know, small, little, oh my gosh, you can remember when so-and-so fell off that boat. That's a memory and that's worth cultivating that memory and, and worth taking a look at that memory on a tree. Right. And watching it bloom. So it's it, all these milestones are are potential ways to grab on, hold on to those memories.
1: Right. Instead, it's, it's, it's and it's question. all
0: perspective, right?
1: Right, right. And I, I think that um, the thing that I like about what you just said is what came across to me is that you're paying attention. And one of the things that I had um, read early on was life will tell you what to do if you slow down enough to listen.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: And it sounds like you are taking that time to listen. You're taking that time to slow down. A lot of people like to distract and a lot of people like to get really busy so they don't have to think about it. However, I... I actually took the opposite approach. And I'm like, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down so much that I have to listen. I have to listen to myself. I have to listen to my body. I have to listen to my emotions. I have to listen to all of these uncomfortable things and comfortable things that I just don't want to hear. I don't want to tackle. I don't want to, you know, coming out of denial, you know, it, it's a huge rush of what do I do with all of this information? Um, and I think that some people get so overwhelmed with it because they do keep packing it in. So they, so they can just distract themselves away from themselves. But I think the thing that I find so enjoyable about what you just said is that it sounds like you slow down, you listen, you pay attention, you, and it, to me, that is the healthy side of grief. If you could
2: you know, mm-hmm. if, you one. Yeah. If,
1: if you can funnel it one way or another, or just label it, um, don't know if that's even possible. But just for the sake of this of this conversation, when you do slow down enough to feel it, when you do slow down enough to pay attention to every life moment, that I think is healing. That I think is a positive thing. That you're affirming to yourself that there's life here yet
0: yes definitely I I completely agree with all of that and the ability to find the time to reflect find the time to confront some feelings you said you know the uh, comfortable and the uncomfortable we have to we cannot push the uncomfortable away it doesn't go away it. Sometimes doubles and triples if you try to ignore it long enough. And makes a little plus. <laughs> yes, exactly. And honestly, that is why this podcast exists in the blog and the website. It is to show people that um, grief can be handled differently than the way that I experienced it when I grew up. And it can be handled in a better way. And for me, there are definitely different steps to handling grief in a better way. One of which is to talk about it in an honest manner and to admit to yourself that, okay, I've got to face this bad thing or this uncomfortable thing, but it is going to help me. And whether you face it by taking a 45 minute walk, or whether you face it by having a discussion with a group of people, it's important and it's just one small piece of getting through the grief and, uh, and living through the grief. And I actually like that now that I just said that out loud. I, I like the living through the grief because we are still here. And, you know, there are many different aspects of what happens in the very beginning when you've lost somebody. And one is the guilt that you're still here and they are not. Right. And it does take time to finally get to a point where, okay, I've got to start or continue living. It's important. And if you have others like family, kids, whatever, it's important for them to see that, too.
1: Right, right. I agree with that. And I, that was a very, um, that was very top of mind for me. After my husband passed away, I was like, wow, I am the example. Now I'm the role model. I am, you know, I'm going through my own grief. I'm going through my own loss. I'm going, but they are too. Yes. You know, they, they lost their, their, I wouldn't say they lost a relationship because I don't think you ever lose the relationship. Um I'm very much in the mind that there's a spiritual connection still, Mm -hmm. but the relationship has changed. Mm -hmm. And as the relationship changed for me, I was a role model or a guide or an example of how do I handle this? I felt like it was a one-sided change. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still living here on earth. They're doing their thing in heaven, having a party and dancing. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I'm sitting here like, okay, what do I do with this? And my example of how I was going to handle it was going to be seen directly by my children every day. And yes. I thought, okay, what kind of example do I want to set for them in, um, how can I do this in a healthy fashion? And that was top of mind for me. Like, I've got to read. I've got to talk to people. I've got to find a therapist or a counselor or somebody Friends, like I reached out to every possible positive resource possible to just say, "How do I do this in a healthy way?" And it wasn't easy. It was a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable. I had to face a lot of demons. Um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's not. It's not easy. It's not. Um, it was very intentional on my part to. To face it and not to hide it, not to put it away, not to stuff it away, not to not to just say parts of it didn't exist because I really believe that all of it exists, the uncomfortable sure. parts and the sure. comfortable parts. It all sure. exists Definitely. because mm-hmm. if, you, if you deny one part of it, you're denying another part of it. And um, each moment I'm like, okay, how can I honor today? What am I supposed to learn today? What am I supposed to feel today?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was painful. It was physically and mentally painful um and that's where i think when i speak with people i was just speaking with somebody this morning um before our before talking to you and we were on the phone for an hour um the weather's great so i'm like okay i have to get out and take a walk and did a did a little walk and talk with somebody and it was interesting to hear where people get stuck and Having worked through that, it seems it's so obvious to me when I see that. Mm-hmm. But every relationship is different. So it's an understanding of okay, how do I approach this person so that it makes sense to them mm-hmm. at this moment? What are they ready to accept <laughs> about getting and, unstuck?
0: And for that person, um, it's they can't see The solution the way through when they're in it but when you excuse me when you get past that point and you are successful in getting through you now have another tool in your tool belt that helps you identify things that come up in you know the next time that happens and then you can take that and you can go okay this is similar it's different but i think i can figure out a way through it so she or he should be grateful that they had you to bounce their their issues off of. And I would suspect, based on what I know with our conversations, you probably gave them a tool or two.
1: Well, I, I, my, that's my hope. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, and I think, to me, what I'm very aware of uh, when I speak with people is meeting them where they are. hmm And a person can only handle as much as they are aware of in the moment, as much strength as they have in the moment, as much of their life experience that I have accumulated at that moment. And it's, um, but that to me also helps me in my grief because to me, grief is really being in the moment. Like every day, every moment, when you are in the moment, you are living every moment. And so when I have these conversations and I'm meeting them where they are in the moment, it's very much a life process. It brings Mm -hmm. a lot of life to it. And if anybody ever is in that situation where they just don't know what to say, you know, if they can see that somebody's stuck or they're really, you know, um, where they know they need another point of healing, there are some phrases you can use. Um, much like, much like what I had talked about before, how are you feeling today? Like, yes. But there are phrases you can use like, what is it that I can do for you right now?
0: Not if, those open-ended, hey, if you need anything, let me know.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a whole lot of burden. But if you're in, when, when you're in the moment, if you're like, what is it that I can do for you right now? That's much more manageable for the person to say. Well, I need mm-hmm. a drink of water. Yeah. Or yeah. I need just I need five minutes to myself. Perfect. Great.
0: Or I'll watch I the think, kids and you go. Oh,
1: right. Right. Yeah. Right. Or or I just need to say this out loud because it just keep bouncing around my head. Fine, say it out loud. Let's let's figure this out. And um, especially
0: if they start the conversation with, "Okay, I'll say it out loud," but it's really stupid. It's like, wait, no, no it's not. You know?
2: No.
0: Yeah. In your head, it might not make much sense. But right. if you expel that, bounce right. it off of somebody else's ears, hear their perspective, and you don't have to take their perspective, but at the very least, it can just get you a little unstuck.
2: Yes. And
0: I, I I appreciate you saying, you know, you have to meet them where they are now. And correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're basically saying is, you know, your experience is definitely different than my experience. And you are... I'm going to put this in a linear fashion and it, it it truly isn't literally this way, but you are farther down the road with your experience and your grief than I am based on when your husband passed versus when my wife passed. however, when you say that you have to meet them in in the, their moment, um, you're basically saying I'm not going to be talking and discussing with somebody and trying to fast forward them to where I am no.
2: right. No. You,
0: you are talking about, I need to talk to them and discuss with them exactly where they are and what they're dealing with, no matter where I am. Right. Okay. Right. Just wanted to clarify that. Right. That's what right. I figured it was. Right. And, and that does that does matter. Um, right. Oftentimes in life, and it doesn't have to be specifically with grief, the most important thing that we've learned to do when we're in a conversation. Is listening, and it's so important. If you can get that person who is dealing with their grief journey to open up, it is so important to hear truly what they're saying, because there are going to be times when they say something and it's almost in code, if you will, and uh, and you need to to try to help them admit. Or process, or what have you, whatever they just said. Uh, I I speak with somebody, a counselor, and I was talking. I don't recall specifically what I was speaking about, and she listened intently. And I got done, and she looked at me and she said, "Stop apologizing." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" She said, "This is what you just said," and I thought. That's not what I thought I said, but she pointed out, she brought it up front, put it in front of my face. And she's like, that's exactly what you did through everything that you just said. You were apologizing. You have to stop apologizing. And I thought, wow, you know, we, even though we're here, I, I was there in the room. I listened to myself. I thought I didn't hear what she heard. Right. And sometimes you need the other set of ears to hear differently what has been rattled around in your brain because oftentimes you can make yourself believe certain things, right?
1: Right. Right. And that, you know, that really brings me to another point. So thank you. Um, Sure. Another thing that I have discovered through this entire process up to this point, and I'm sure I'm going to discover more is when I looked back through my journal. I was like, "Okay, let me just see what what happened along the way to kind of get me to this point. Like, why why did I take this route? Or what? Like, I know I was very intentional about finding a healthy path. Like, that was like mm-hmm. top of mind for me. But what happened along the way to say, well, this, it was unhealthy or healthy? And one of the things that really jumped out at me." was that, um, I think it was about one and a half months in, after, his, after he passed, I had written that it was such a shock to go through unraveling our life together. Like physically and mentally, I was in shock. Mm-hmm. And just unraveling everything, like I, I didn't have the same relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered along the way is that I didn't even have the same relationship with myself anymore. And I'm discovering this new identity. I'm trying to figure out my new self. I'm trying to share my new self. I'm trying to embrace a new identity that I don't even know what it is yet because it's still in the discovery phase. Like mm-hmm. I had to become a new me, mm-hmm. and definitely, I you know I'm still becoming a new me. And at some point, um, what really became obvious to me was that I was learning to trust myself again. Ah, like, as I'm going through this new identity phase, you know, as you meet a new person and you you begin a relationship, it's like, well, do I trust this person? Sure. Well, I was doing that with myself. Interesting. I was meeting this new person. I was, you know, having this new identity.
0: Because Um, of the new responsibilities that you were facing all alone.
1: It's not just the responsibilities, but it was this As I said previously, grief to me is and was an invitation to myself. Okay. So as I was grieving, I was also diving deeper into, well, who am I?
0: How
1: -hmm. do I fit in this world? What is my new identity? Mm -hmm. Um, How is this grief changing me? What Mm -hmm. am I supposed to do with this information? So I was expanding my own identity through all of these different viewpoints and perspectives and experiences and um you know my relationships may or may not have changed, but my relationship with myself changed. And I had to relearn, okay, what part of me do I trust now? And 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 you know, I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, what could I have done to save this person? Or what did I do that I, I could have done more so that they could still live? And that's a trust issue.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's trust. Mm -hmm. And when you go back to the very basics of, I got to trust myself. And then I can go out and then I can trust others in relationships. That was a huge, like eye-opening thing for me. And, you know, you you just stating what you had said, that was like, there it is. That's
0: really, that's really, uh, I would suggest eye-opening for a lot of people. That might be listening to this because they, I would suspect are not, you know, they, they have feelings very similar, but they're not able to identify what those truly mean. And I think that's, uh, that's the untold story of losing somebody and grief. Uh, and I would go as far to say it's the untold story of losing somebody that is in a part, an everyday part of your life. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be a um, a spouse, but uh, the spouse does fit into that extremely well. It's truly the definition of that. And because you now are alone, uh, suddenly, especially when it happens for the first couple of weeks, you are trying to figure out what uh, what to do with that grief. What to do with your sorrow, your anger, your fear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then you come to that point where you um, you need to have a new relationship with yourself, and that's where your point was. I think that is enlightening. The trust, the trusting in in me, the trusting in myself, right. is is probably something that people do not identify readily because they're just, there's so many things. I mean, how many times have we experienced something in the course of our grief before we can identify what that was?
2: Right.
0: You know, it's, you know, if I get angry about something, is it because I was mad or is it because, is it more based in, in, in the, the category in the silo of fear?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: It's just, that's where it is, Yes. but it comes out as anger. Right. So it's constant, uh, it's a constant, I don't know. Uh,
1: I think it's a constant deep dive inside. Oh, oh, I like that. Yes, <laughs>
0: <laughs> completely. And deeper like, than honestly that I've ever gone in my yeah. entire life.
1: I agree with that for me too. Yeah. For me too. And and I would think that at the beginning of that, it was a little scary. Another Another thing that I had seen in my journal, and uh, this was more recently, it was, again, you know, I'm a visual person. i had envisioned myself like imprisoned in these four walls. Like I was in a room, I could not mm-hmm. escape. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, beating at the walls, I'm scratching, I'm kicking, you know, whatever, trying to get out of this grief. And no matter mm-hmm. what I did, these walls aren't moving. Nope. And then finally, I just sat down. And I thought, okay, yeah. I, can't, I can't get out of these walls. Let me just sit down. And I looked over to my side, and all along in this room, there was a set of keys sitting on the floor.
0: Wow. That is so yes.
1: And that's what I felt like my, let's just say my first year was me being in this room, kicking and screaming and and fighting, and you know, still trying to be on a healthy path. But inside,
2: Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. I was distracted. You are
2: trapped. You you completely feel trapped. trapped.
1: I was in yes. denial. I was out distressed. of control. I, was, I wasn't out of control. It, it was well, uh, uh, mentally. You didn't have really, control.
0: It didn't feel yeah. like you had control. I didn't, I didn't want feel to like I had yeah. control
1: and mentally just thoughts. I could not stop the spinning thoughts. I could not, mm-hmm. you know, even, even with, you know, talking to people and, and a lot of guidance and everything else, I, there were just certain thoughts that just would not stop spending. They were just on a constant loop. And I knew I had to find a way to just stop those, come to peace with them, something. And it wasn't until I f- physically wrote out this visual thing and realized if I just stopped, like I said, life tells you what to do if you slow down enough to listen. Mm-hmm. I just had to stop. I had to let all of this discomfort wash through me. I had to come to terms with it. I had to make peace with it. I had to greet each emotion as it came because it was coming authentically. Each emotion was coming at me authentically. I wasn't necessarily being authentic back. And once I did that, I looked over and there were the keys and I thought, Oh my God, like they (laughs) they were sitting here the whole time and I was not paying attention. And that was like, you know, a huge breakthrough moment for me. And that's when it's like, that's when it really became real. And I can't remember if you and I had talked about this previously, but at one point somebody else had come to me and they were explaining um, the situation that they were in and and said, you know, when, and they, they also said the bad feelings, well, the bad feelings come, I push them away. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to say, Like, and I just said, whether it's sadness or loneliness, I said, hello, sadness, Mm -hmm. how are you today? I'm not really happy to see you, but what am I supposed to learn from you? And just even naming what the emotion is Mm -hmm. and acknowledging its existence, it just calmed down. It like, yeah, it didn't rage at me because it's like, oh, I see you, you know, I, I, you're here Mm -hmm. again, like why, (laughs) What, what am I supposed to do with you today? And it, it made our existence more cohesive. It made our existence, um, I wasn't in a battle anymore. Yes. And it's not yeah. that I gave up. It's not that I, um, there's a difference between giving up and coexisting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that, that I've just learned how to coexist with it. And the discomfort passes through much more quickly. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just wants to be acknowledged. Like, yeah, I'm here. Okay. I see you. Mm -hmm. You're authentic. Mm -hmm. I'll be authentic back. Let's okay. What do I need to do with you right now? And then it goes. And yeah. um, Yeah.
0: Anybody that I've ever talked to about something like that, um, that has admitted that they just keep pushing away, pushing it down. It constantly comes back.
1: It does. So I'm kind kind of looking at them and I'm like, so how's that
0: working for you? (laughs)
1: It, it, it gets to be a battle. Like yes. those emotions are part of nature. Mm-hmm. They won't leave.
2: No.
1: They are going to gather strength. They are going to be more resistant. They've got, I mean, those emotions have been around longer than I've known how to experience life. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, they got all their tricks. They, they know what to do with me. Um, and it's no. about me learning what to do with them. Like that's, yes. That's what I think part of the grief process is. It's me learning what to do with all of this.
0: Yes. Yes. How to face them, how to live with them or get through them. And right. uh, they're right. never always the same. You know, you mentioned about thoughts spinning on a loop and I've certainly experienced that. And I would uh, I would doubt that there's anybody uh, dealing with grief that hasn't. And whether that uh, loop that's going around is the moment of the loss or... The moments uh, dealing with the loss after it happened, uh, the moments even for me, it was before the loss. Because as you know, my wife uh, had cancer. There was a point in time when we knew that we had done everything we could. And then uh, we did nearly a month of hospice in our home. So for me, the loop that keeps playing, and it's playing less often now, are several of those moments um, through the hospice or hospice journey. So those, uh, those thoughts, spinning on a loop, man, I'm telling you, people need to be aware that they are going to come and oh, that they good. shouldn't push them down. They need to try to find a way to, to get through them. And I think that sometimes with me, some of, the, some of those thoughts on, on the loop have been a doubt in my mind that we did the right thing or we did enough. Mm-hmm. So it was it was me beating myself up over it all.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So those are important and you need to like you said listen to them. You need to hear right. what's going on and you need to identify why that's happening. Right. And uh and it's not going to be an easy task. It is going to be very uncomfortable. Uh but you you have to. And I I I hope through the podcast, I hope through our discussions and everybody's stories on the website, I hope that people who find themselves constantly pushing down their emotions, uh, denying the feelings, can find a way to change that for themselves so that they, they can get through this journey in a little bit more healthier aspect. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, <coughs> excuse me is uh I started reading the book that you offered that I said should uh read called Option B. Yes. I believe it's by uh Cheryl Sandberg. Yes. And it's it's wonderful. I mean okay. paragraph after paragraph, page after page, it's like, yep, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yep. That <laughs> happened. Yep. Oh, wow. Yes, this is perfect. Okay. Uh and one aspect that I am dealing with is that uh she's talking about um talking with people and, you know, uh, having different types of friends and friends that won't say anything, Uh, friends who have actually gone away after the loss of her husband because they were just too uncomfortable Uh, friends that won't admit the elephant in the room. And I find a a little bit of that uh, certainly in my everyday journey where I will be the one to evoke my wife's name in a conversation bringing up a memory and some people it just flow fine with that other people you can see and hear just a little just a little pause like oh oh it's okay to talk about her and I want people to walk away knowing that it is so important to keep talking about them it is so important to not only keep their memories alive, but not suddenly have this feeling like, oh, that's a that's a taboo subject. I don't want to upset them. I don't want to bring it up and remind them. That concept right there, bringing it up and reminding them of loss of their loved one, we don't need your help. We are remember remind, reminded by their loss each and every day. I wake right. up and she's not next to me. You cannot remind me of something that I haven't thought of a hundred times before I talked to you that day.
1: Right. Right. And, that's, and I
0: really need people to understand that.
1: Right. And it's, I think that, um, I mean, I completely, completely understand where you're coming from because somebody said something to me about, Oh, um, this holiday is coming up. That must, you know, that's going to be hard for you. And I looked at them and I said, "Well, every day is hard for me." Yeah, like he's not Let's here for every you. day. It's not that he's go not here you. on the holidays. He's not here every day. And they just went, "Whoa!" I hadn't thought of that. I'm like, "Yeah, you know, every little tiny thing is, you know, you know, it it could be something like, you know, this is how we used to do the bathroom routine, getting up in the morning. This is how. Well, he never made the bed. Well. He's not in the bed now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, every little thing is okay. You know, his socks are no longer on the floor where they always used to be or sure. you know, it's it's every single time he'd come home, he would leave his shoes right in front of the door. I'm like, well, "Why are you leaving your shoes in front of the door? That's where everybody walks." Um sure. you know, it's just everything. Everything is there. So I mean the, the you know, those things fade too over time because, you know, you're doing different routines and for us, we're in a different home. So, you know, that those reminders aren't constant, like they could have been if, if we were still in the same home that we were in previously, but um, you know, just mannerisms, gestures, statements. Oh, you know, this is what he would have said if I would have said this or, but as, as you continue through life and you continue relationships and you continue growing and, and living, that is part of the mix, but it isn't the first and foremost part of the mix.
2: Correct. And, mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, and I think that because this person wasn't potentially in everybody's like everyday life, mm-hmm. it's so much easier for other people to say, well, I would not have seen that person except for every month anyway.
2: Sure, sure. And so
1: it's so much yeah. easier to not think of them as often. But, you know, when of you course. see somebody hours of every day and then all of a sudden not, it's, yeah. it's it's devastating. Yes. It's devastating. Yes. It's like you yourself are just getting used to this different rhythm and this different motion and this different, mm-hmm. you know, it's just different. It's just it's just all different. But back to what you said about bringing them up, um, yeah, you're not reminding anybody about the fact that they're not there. Like that's... Not at all you know that, you know, that every, every day, every moment that they're not there and bringing up their name or bringing up a funny story or bringing up a memory is, you know, it's an enlightening thing. It's not, it's, it's the part of grief that helps. It's not the part of grief that hurts.
0: I completely agree. Yes. I think that uh, people need to understand that it's, it's, it's to, in my viewpoint, and I believe this is completely my viewpoint, it's hard to say something wrong when you're bringing up somebody. Um, especially if it's a memory or a, a story. Uh, those are the good things. Those are the, those are the great reminders that we want to constantly live. Those, those are definitely good. And I find that there are some people that you know are cautious about what they're going to say. And if they bring up the person or if they choose not to bring up the person, it's because they don't want to say the wrong thing to right. upset you. Right. And I, I, I truly need people to understand, I don't think that you're going to bring up the wrong thing to upset me. It's going. I'm going to be relieved that you're okay with uh, what I'm going through and that you're not uh, pushing it away or ignoring it. Uh, like you said, with the, oh, this next day, this, this particular holiday is going to be tough. Well, you know, yeah, no tougher than every other day that I've had to deal with. Um, right. And just, just be aware that, yes, you should be able to talk about these people. You should be able to be free to uh, bring them up in conversation. They're, it's not a taboo. They were here. They, their life mattered. And mm-hmm. their, what they left behind still matters. Let's talk about that, you right. know. And I think that's just really, really important. So, this book, uh, Option B. I'm not that far into it. I'm a few chapters in, but I absolutely love it. It is such a, such a good book, and it is hitting on so much, so yeah. much that is just very across the board. Yeah. I'm, I've experienced or experiencing something similar. Like we've always said, and we've said it once; we'll say it a hundred times. Everybody's journey is different, and everybody's experience is different. But there is so much that is the same that we can we can get it, we can understand it, and we can uh, we can share in it, and Great. we can help each other along this particular path. It's important that's why that's why this all exists i really want people to be able to talk about it just like you and i talk about it you know uh, the listeners don't understand that we don't just talk on this podcast we talk outside of this mm-hmm. and each one of those conversations we walk away and we're like well first of all my, my first reaction is we should have recorded that.
1: (laughs) Yes. yes. Every every time I'm like, Oh, we should have like hit the record button. Okay. Well, here we go. (laughs)
0: But, but, you know, we're sharing information and we're sharing experiences and thoughts and beliefs. And all of a sudden something triggers. And last time I believe we were actually sketching out little diagrams, you know, this is what I'm talking about, you know? And, it really helps it it helps i think from since the beginning of time people who have gone through a similar experience gravitate toward each other because then that other person gets it understands you a little bit better and it doesn't matter if that experience is absolutely positively the same it's not going to be but it is wonderful that they understand irrational things that you believe you're saying, doing, feeling, etc., And they can kind of calm you down and make you understand that, yeah, you're not crazy. Right. This is how it is.
1: Right. This is how it is. Like, you know, let's just, let's just say for what it is. And um, again, that goes to me, it goes back to trust. It's, you know, you trust in yourself or you trust in the other person and are you in a, are you in a safe space? Um, You know, there's, I think that is one of the blessings of life is to find people that you can be in a safe space with, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, verbally, physically, whatever. But when you find that safe space, that's, that's a treasure.
2: Yes.
1: And it's um, you know, I, I've found a couple of those safe spaces and it's, I gotta say, it definitely helped the healing process. It was um, that's a difference. And I, I do want to go back a little bit and address when, when somebody doesn't know how to bring somebody up or they want to say their name, but they just aren't quite sure how it affects you, take a step back. Don't You don't have to necessarily jump in with the story or the name. And by taking a step back, I mean, just ask the person, how are you feeling today? Just get a sense of where they are today. And then just ask them, do you mind if I share something with you about them? Do you mind if I bring them up to you? I thought of this the other day. Would it be okay if I shared that with you? And then if they say, okay, then share it. So it doesn't have to jump from you are seeing the person and all of a sudden, ooh, should I say that? We'll just back up a little bit. Ask them. Yeah. How are you, how are you today? Can I yeah, share that
0: you can definitely ask us things. You can actually right. be upfront and say, you know, I just thought I had a thought about Colleen. Do you mind if I share it with you or, right. but right. back to what you said? Yes. Ask how you doing today mm-hmm. and be specific if you want to, you know, if that, if you know, because of your relationship with that person who is going through their Grief journey that by asking that question that way, they're gonna say, Oh, I'm I'm good. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be, they're not gonna open up. Right. Uh right. rephrase it a little bit differently. Phrase it the way that you know that person will understand that you are not just saying, How are you doing? You're asking specifically. Uh you are opening the door and and saying, Hey, you know, actually in uh option B, there is this. The story about uh, somebody that I think somebody she knew that experienced a friend who uh, texted the person that was uh, had just lost somebody. And I don't know how many months uh, had gone by, but they, they, what they did was, was quite amazing. They texted the person and said, hey, if you need a hug, I'm going to be down in the lobby of your building for the next half hour. Whether you come down or not, I'll be there for you. That is really amazing. That is just like, now that's thinking outside the box. That is totally (laughs) thinking outside the box, completely thinking differently. And it warms my heart. When I heard that, I was like, wow, that is so cool. That is really a great way of being there for somebody. Mm -hmm. And truly that's, Mm -hmm. that's all we want is we want, we want people to be there. And I truly personally don't want people to ignore the fact that we have lost that person. Right. Right. And that's, I think why I keep saying, I, I invite people to talk to me about uh, memories or even about the loss. You know, I want to make sure that people understand that, it's okay to to come in and sit down and want to be there for me because honestly, you know, here I am, uh, especially during the school year. Every single day, when school starts to when school ends, I'm by myself. I am alone, and I'm working, perhaps, but things are going through my head. I don't have people to bounce things off unless i'm bold enough to call somebody or text okay. somebody and say hey i need to bounce something off of you or i need to talk to you about this because i just saw heard this song and you know
1: it'll fall it apart don't
0: touch me exactly <laughs> absolutely absolutely and that's not easy for us that is definitely not an easy thing for us to do even though i have many many friends i know all I have to do is pick up the phone, call, text, and they will certainly open their ears. Stop
1: by, whatever. Um, but when, but when not, you get to that moment, when you get to that moment, you are at another healing point. Yes, and definitely. you've got to acknowledge to yourself that here I go again. Like, like here's another thing, another, another step like, in the ladder, another step in the ladder, like. I got to tackle this now. Like, like the healing points don't stop. Like I'll just, I'll just say that at the beginning, it was overwhelming. At the beginning it was like, Oh my God. Like, I just want to get through this. This is too painful. This is too heavy. This is too everything. I really like, I don't want this. It's overwhelming. It's, it's consuming. It is, it is, like I said, it's not easy. It is a challenge, but keep going, keep going. And the, the the healing points become more manageable because you are healing. You are getting stronger. You are more able to see things from a different perspective. You are able to reach out more. You are able to trust yourself more. You are coming into your own identity again. You, I mean, all of these things are coming together and you are going through a process of renewal. You are going Mm -hmm. through a process of learning how to share yourself again. Mm -hmm. You're going through a process of intention and strength and authenticity. And, and, you know, as you keep adding all of these things, you're becoming stronger. And it, I I think those are also points that help the healing process Mm -hmm. and give energy to good, positive energy to the healing process. Mm So it's a...
0: It's important for people to understand that that process of uh, redefining yourself, of healing yourself Mm -hmm. is an infinite, finite process. It does not have a schedule. It does not have a deadline. It does not have uh, the right things and the wrong things to do, say, think, be it. It is definitely its definition is a process. That's what it is. And it's ever changing. Yes, And it's never easy to identify and it just, it's going to go on and on and on, but that's okay because uh, that is now unfortunately part of your life, but it is a, it is a good part of your life. It's a, it's a good healing rejuvenation redefinition of what your life is and what your life is to become. Mm -hmm. So before we close out, any other last thoughts, points, details?
1: Wow, we've covered a lot. Um, we have covered a you lot. You know, we could take a deep dive in any one of these <laughs> points <laughs> and do a little yeah. bit more. But I think, for me, um, anybody that listen is listening, and just in the depths of their grief, you will get through it. You will heal. It mm-hmm. will become easier. It is. It is a an overwhelming thing at the beginning. Um, just pay attention to yourself, give yourself time to rest. And if you're further along and you can see that you've rested, acknowledge that. Just say, yes. hey, I've come this far. Like, this is this is good. This is good. We're little, you know, let's keep going. And anybody that's, that else, is, you know, even further along, like, you know, be more cognizant of reaching out to others. Be more cognizant of, you have learned a lot and you are now part of the healing process of somebody else yes so don't forget that like don't take that lightly don't take that for granted don't forget it like you're here you've experienced it you've gotten through it you've learned a lot and if you need to be there for somebody else to help them through it like you're now on their team so
0: (laughs) amen i like that i like that that is that is huge That is absolutely huge. You share what you know, share what you've experienced and share what has worked for you. And those people on the other side that are getting people to share that information, understand that it's not a black and white situation. They are sharing their experiences with you. That does not necessarily mean that it's going to always match up with what is good or will work for you. But it's a guidepost on the path that you're going down, and perhaps that guidepost can be helpful, or a portion of what they say can be helpful. It might not be the exact uh, scenario; it might not be absolutely everything that they just shared with you. But there's there's oftentimes a nugget of information in there that can help you continue down your path and and find better days, better nights, and yes. better weeks ahead. Yes. Yes. Well, thank thank you. you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. This has been wonderful as usual. And thank God we finally recorded it.
1: Yes, there
0: we go. <laughs> <laughs> Finally a uh, uh, conversation we we have consciously said let's record this one because we got lots to say. And even our our last meeting when we didn't record, I tell you we poor listeners, you know, they're probably wondering, well why can't why can't you just record every conversation? Believe me, you would be bored to tears, but uh we oftentimes walk away just feeling so much better and i appreciate you as a friend and i appreciate you allowing me to be part of your world and that you provide me with uh with some good thoughts some positive aspects to walk away with and you always make me feel much better than when we first met so thank you
1: oh, thank you thank you i'm my pleasure and you know, i'm here I'm here to help, and uh, it's it's been a it's been a learning experience for me too. So you know you got to give yourself a few kudos to say you know you're you're helping me a lot too. And um, Good. thank you for everything that you shared as well.
0: I'd like to thank Mary Ellen for once again being part of the mission of Journey to Grateful. Her insights, her experiences, and perspectives are always a refreshing addition to this show. And before I say goodbye, I'd like to also ask for your help. Your help helping us grow the community. If you know someone you believe that could benefit from our mission, please share with them the journeytograteful.com website. All episodes of the podcast can be found on the website as well as, as our contributors' stories on the blog section. And if you've yet to follow us on Facebook or Instagram yourself, you can find us at Journey to Grateful and join the community. Add your thoughts, your questions, your insights. It would really be helpful to hear from more people. But most important of all, our goal is to grow our reach. And the very best way to do that is to expose more and more people to not only the website, but the Journey to Grateful podcast. I would love if you could rate and review the show through Apple Podcasts. More reviews and more ratings will show Apple that our show is important and they will recognize it and recommend it to others. Now simply just go to journeytograteful.com Over on the homepage, you can select leave a review button or you can find that on the podcast page or any of the podcast episodes. You will simply be taken to the Apple podcast page where you can easily and quickly leave a review and a rating. So again, thank you for your time. With your help, we can reach more people and, and truly build our community's reach and help those people that are in need. If you'd like to comment on our show or posts, feel free to do so in the blogs or you can email me directly tim at journey to you can also call our voicemail 24 7 and simply leave a message i'd love to hear from you and i'd love to share your thoughts on future episodes 262-298-2428 that's 262-298-CHAT leave your comments leave a message for me i'd love to hear from you And lastly, before I leave, thank you for your time. I appreciate you listening to the podcast, and I really hope it helps provide some guidance. Finally, I'd like to leave you with one last inspiring thought from someone I've always looked up to, Walt Disney. Everyone falls down. Getting back up is how you learn to walk. Now, Losing someone the way many of us have is the hardest thing to pick yourself up off the ground from. But doing so is the best way I can honor my wife and, in fact, my children as well. I pick myself up and I walk for them. When you think you just can't possibly get back up, think of who you need to walk for. So until next time, I wish you the power of memories to brighten your days and much comfort and support to help you guide your way through your grief journey. Bye-bye.